0: singer from The New Radicals. The band ended over 20 years ago before our second single was even released. So when we heard that You Get What You Give was a Biden family anthem, we pledged if Joe won, we'd get together and play our little song, both in memory and in honor of our new president's
1: patriot son, Bo, and also with the prayer of Joe being able to bring our country together again. Joe, Kamala, this one's for you.
0: Welcome to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined, as I always am, by my bosom buddy, virtually virtuosity style, with Denzel, 1994 <laughs> Stiz, Boobie Castrone.
2: Hey, Bob. Hey, Daniel Hansis. How are you? Funny oh. that
0: you're you're the one in the rented garage. I'm in my home as we're connecting. Uh, via satellite technology right now.
2: I don't want to talk about technology. I want to talk more about Verwosity starring
0: <laughs> Denzel. Yes, uh, uh, not a well-known um, Denzel Washington picture from about 95, but it did deal with the internet in a very high-level capacity for that era.
2: Yes, and I remember being in the Nanuet Mall, I believe in Aeropostale, and uh, they were playing... Uh, some, like Hot 97 or whatever. And uh, the DJ said, you can win two free tickets to the new Denzel movie, Verocity. <laughs> it was
0: close enough. <laughs> it stuck. It stuck forever. Here we are. Um, stuck forever. That's interesting, Bob. Stuck forever in our heads. You get what you give by the New Radicals. That was the first voice you heard was Greg Alexander. He really was the the only person, the only member of the band New Radicals. and, and, on this day, we're recording this on the night of Joe Biden uh, being sworn in as the new president, replacing that other guy, uh, Kamala wait, Harris. What? Wait, wait, wait. Wait, yep. wait, wait. What happened?
2: I, I've been what? out of the loop. Did that?
0: S- separate podcast. I'm going okay. to download all. Well, it depends who you ask, Bob, who won. OK. And I want to share my feelings later on in the episode. <laughs> uh, but yes, it is a uh, historic day for the country and. Uh, fresh starts and all that stuff. And how is it, Bob, that in the middle of of all that, the new radicals um, reemerge from the ether for a one off reunion performance as part of the inauguration uh, concert special that aired across the networks? And um, as anyone that listens to this show knows, uh, this really this podcast is really catered to a very narrow demographic. If you were born in exactly 1980. Uh, this show is for you and if you were born in 1980 you know the new radicals and you get what you give was one of the great singles uh, of the 1990s i would say bob and you know i there are some amazing bands that i fell in love with in my formative years uh and i could think of their best songs and i'm like do i really want to make this comment but i'm gonna do it bob i'm gonna say this is the best song that was released in the 1990s and that incu- and includes includes lakini's juice by live <laughs>
2: Wait a minute, you're including all of Secret Samadhi? Like the entire album?
0: All of it, and every Dave Matthews song. I mean, we're, at, we're at a high shit. high level, Bob.
2: You're including, uh, wait, you're including It's Ban.
0: It's Ban! Yes, I'm rec- everything, Bob. Oh. Everything. Bob, discotech. It's better than discotech. Wow. That's where I'm at.
2: That's where you're at. Well, well guess what? I don't know if you're wrong or not. We'll, we'll talk about that. I don't think you're wrong. But I will say the most, there's been a lot of shocking stuff that has happened in the first 20 days of 2021, you know, like seeing our nation's capital under attack. That was a bit of a surprise. That was a bit of a a, a, a development you couldn't have seen coming. Equal to that, everybody's talking about the new radicals. I I don't know what's more surprising, to be honest.
0: Yeah. So we thought in this very special day uh, to have a special edition of the Throwback Pod, where we really focus on that song and um you know how special it was when it came out and how it endures despite being really the one hit wonder of the 90s and we have a very special guest coming up matt money smith to uh break down what it was like to be kind of boots on the ground in the record industry um, when you get what you give hit in 1998 uh and also bob i've never actually heard the album and i I think most people would be surprised that the new radicals even had an album because you only think of the one song, but not only did they have an album, it sold a million copies. And one of the copies was purchased by one Bubby Castrone who has some takes about non, you get what you give tracks.
2: I mean, are you surprised that I own this album? This is right in my Bob music wheelhouse. Of course I own this album.
0: Absolutely.
2: And, And I listened to it a lot back in 98 and, uh, yeah, I'm excited to, uh, to introduce you to some New Radicals deep cuts. It kind of feels like if you were, it's it's a little weird being the guy that has to like kind of walk somebody else through the New Radicals. It's as if I was like, like like being a big fan of Len and being like, they're more than the Steal My Sunshine band. Right. Or like Folk Implosion, where it's like, yeah, Natural One was good, but they got a lot more. It's like, no, New Radicals, like they only put out, or he, I keep saying they, he only put out one album, but it was a really good album and it sold a million copies, like you said. So uh, I wasn't alone in owning it and listening to it. So that's going to be fun for me. Probably nobody else. But for me,
0: <laughs> I don't even know it will be fun for me. I, I, I trust your judgment. That Guess what? I think I think a couple think it will bangers be. on this. Yeah, Okay. I think it will be. OK. We have to be the only New Radicals Deep Cuts podcast out there.
2: Well, I mean, this is basically an emergency pod. Like we've only done this when Tom Petty died. And now when the New Radicals performed at the inauguration, like that's it.
0: So basically when Tom Petty died and the New Radicals came back to life.
2: Yes. Yeah. I texted so. you. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, should we do a New Radicals mini pod for the Patreonies on patreoncom slash throwback pod? And before you answered, I uh, responded to my own text and said, to be honest, I would do the whole album if you were down. <laughs> and shockingly, you said, let's do it.
0: Yeah. Because everybody,
2: everybody's feeling New Radical fever right now. So it's fine.
0: everybody's on fire with the New Radicals. And maybe we're not going to go through every track. But like you said, Bob, we're going to go through um, songs that jumped out to you from the album that there was no second album. So now that I'm going to hear these songs, I will feel like a New Radicals completist. But uh, there's only one way to start. And before we bring on big money, um, we need to bring big money. No one calls him big. Money. I was going to
2: say, is that like a, a pet? Nickname? Like he already has the nickname. You don't need to like make it. I don't know. I have no idea.
0: I have no idea where that came from. But uh, before Big Money joins us, <laughs> let's let's listen to uh, one of the biggest singles of the late 1990s. Of course, it is track two on the album. Maybe you've been brainwashed, too. You get what Chuck give. the hooks build and layer on top of each other and cascade, it's unbelievable. imagine Bob you're like just like a regular bucket head guy like you like wearing your bucket hat and
2: I do I did
0: you you did you were a big bucket hat guy I mean you were the biggest I mean it was the guy from Cake that got you into it uh, but maybe the New Radicals guy uh, bit off you uh, ultimately but like imagine he
2: was don't don't say that no I was influenced by both the New Radicals and Cake
0: okay all right I'll, I'll stay off I'll stay off that bucket hat territory that talk because uh, I know it's rugged out no, there. No, I don't want the
2: I don't want the other bucketheads coming after me, being like, "Oh, you're saying you in, you influenced Greg Alexander?" No, I'm not saying. that. I'm
0: not. But imagine being a guy that wears a bucket hat and you wrote that fucking song.
2: You can only write that fucking song if you're wearing a bucket hat. No other hats work. <laughs> you're telling me like if you put on a Pharrell hat, you could write "You Get What You Give." Of course not. You need a bucket hat.
0: You could write that song, "Happy." but you can't write you can't you get what you no, get. Of course not. What makes this song so perfect? Like I said, there I feel like it's just a waterfall of hooks and everything. Even like when you listen to the guitar here. And then into this part, it's like it's almost like you wonder if Greg Alexander could do it again.
2: I mean, clearly the answer is he can't. I mean,
0: I know, but like would you because there's enough hooks on this song for, like, five singles. Uh, instead, he just pile drives them all into one song uh, and wrote one of the great songs.
2: You know what? It, it tells you how unfair music is that, like, in television, a show like The Office in the UK, when they, you know, air their finale after two seasons, everybody says, oh, they, they did what they had to do, they got out on top. But Greg Alexander writes the perfect song and knows that he's not going to do better than this And he's branded as a one hit wonder. Why can't we just say, hey, this guy knew when to quit?
0: Right. And he's he's so funny. Like, you already respect that that he got out when he did and said, I'm going to do other things and I'm going to go write songs for other artists and produce. And you respect that. And then to, to really hammer home how selfless he is and how well, maybe not selfless, but how much he doesn't need to be famous when he's finally back in the spotlight for the first time in 21 years. And he does that little intro on TV today for millions of people. He doesn't even say his name. He just says, I'm the singer from the New Radicals. He had no interest in being famous.
2: Well, maybe because he knows people are after him, like these people in the song right here. That's true. Turn it up. He's probably still laying low because he doesn't want Beck coming after him or Zachary Hansen.
0: Did you know that, like, he eventually wrote a song with Hansen? Did he really? Yeah. And the drummer from Hansen was like, you know, we never took offense to it. We knew it was just like a pop culture thing. And he's a nice guy. He's kind of a character, but he's a nice guy. Like, I want to know everything about uh, Greg Alexander. Like, I just well, feel like there's so much to know.
2: So, um, of course, he played the inauguration today, the day that we're recording this. And did you see it?
0: I did. I watched okay. it. And we'll we'll play out this episode at the end uh, with the performance, which I really thought was good. On top of everything else, mm-hmm. he looked older. And it's one of those things like, oh, shit, what the fuck is happening here? Because the singer of the New Radicals is 50. And that's just something we need to deal with. Right. That if he's 50, we can't be too far away from 50. Um, but weren't you impressed by his ability to, you know, hit those high notes and still sound like the new
2: radicals? He sounded great. Like he really did. He sounded like a guy that hasn't sung in 20 years because I don't think he has, but it it was really good.
0: Do you want to hear a bummer of that? Because I I read a little bit about it. So there was him. There was a, a girl that was in the band, but she was the only quote unquote member other than him. But he wrote and arranged and produced everything. Right. But he did have a touring band uh, that, you know, they went on the road when they were promoting this single and, um, you know, did some touring before they broke up. And they were going to originally, the idea was get that band back together for this huge moment out of nowhere, 22 years later. And because of fucking COVID, all those regular Joes in those bands who now work at bowling alleys and work at life insurance companies, uh, they were not able to get together to perform this song on a national stage. He had a bunch of um, uh, local musicians from Philadelphia where they recorded that song.
2: I mean, th- these guys library. were, these guys were radicals. Maybe they stormed the Capitol and they're kind of laying low right now. Let's that's actually, dig, a, dig a little deeper.
0: That's pretty good. You have mentioned that, Bob, I have to say, uh, I do have a confession. Yeah. Before we, before we get money on uh, to talk about, you get what you give. Um, the the siege, as I call it, on the capital, the yes. insurrection, Bob, of course, on the principles of democracy was too much uh, for me to continue my dry January.
2: Yes. Yes. Oh, you're drinking right now. My plan worked. It all worked just like I intended. You're such a bad friend. Your lack of support played a role. Not only lack of support, I organized the capital insurrection to drive you back to alcohol. I
0: thought I saw you. Were yeah. you wearing like a, a bearskin and like a Viking helmet?
2: No, that was just one of my guys. But I was like, we got to get Dan drinking again. I, I, I mean, I don't know what to do. I need to push him over the edge. I orchestrated like a 24 level type plot to do one thing, and that was to make you drink. So it worked.
0: I mean, it worked. And I honestly, I I decided uh, that was it. I was like, what the fuck? Like, it's so hard to be alive right now with COVID. Yeah. And, you know, some personal stuff going on in my life with people I care about, um, dealing with things. And now you're going to tell me uh, insurrection, Bob, and I'm not going to drink on top of it.
2: So fuck that. Wait, time out. So we recorded. Plus
0: the NFL think, playoffs. Like, I just want to, like, have a couple drinks. Well, and obviously,
2: obvious. that was the point I was making the last time we recorded. So we recorded on January 5th. The The insurrection was uh, the next day. So The you insurrection,
0: really, Bob. The siege you, on democracy.
2: So you really only gave up drinking for a day, if you really think about it. There was only, like, one real no, day unfair. that you had to avoid alcohol. And then you went right back to it.
0: <laughs> well, if you want to look at it from that angle, yes. It was one day that I... the Because I wasn't going to... So I was with you. We were potting up New Year's Eve. You know, got loose that night. New Year's Day, obviously not going to drink. Uh, then the work week begins. So I'm, right. I'm locked into the work week. Then comes, I believe it was um, a Wednesday, either a Tuesday or Wednesday, when we did our last recording in the garage. I had a button up. I had a button up. <laughs> did not have a drink. Uh, then... The siege on our democracy. And I think I think it speaks for itself. I couldn't be asked to, to continue to be sober in the face of
2: that. So your bullshit dry one week of January really only deprived me of hanging out with you drinking. And that's it. I'm the only one who really <laughs> suffered from this whole thing.
0: I mean, it was a dry January. It just was all it was, you know, five days.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Such a weak man. Makes me so happy. And you know what I love even more? Because this is an emergency pod. And we're going to put this up right away. Our next episode that we recorded that same night, you're still but, sober and like very proud of yourself. So it's going to be great for continuity. <laughs> I'm very I'm excited ca- about that.
0: I'm actually, I'm counting those days. Well, I'm going to count <laughs> from when this goes up till that is a oh, sober day. Oh, not yes. fair. Yes. Um, all right. Without further ado, as I said, uh, Matt Money Smith, a man who uh, worked in the recording industry, um, a uh, high up there in K Rock, legendary K Rock, Los Angeles, and was there in the business when you get what you give landed. He is the great Matt Money Smith. What's uh, up, Money?
3: Good to be back. Good to be back. What's happening, guys? How we doing? Uh, we're I, doing all right.
2: I can't believe you're back. Why would you do this?
3: Yeah, you know what? I had to take some incoming there. A uh, little, little <laughs> bit of incoming, a little bit of fallout from my last appearance. I guess I got a little too loose with a few of the stories and, uh, and some of the negativity, some of the brutal honesty. But uh, you know what? Whatever. I'm, I'm so far removed from that. Most of the people are unemployed by now. So uh, there's only a couple that can, really, that can perhaps thwart or end my career in the media.
0: Unemployed or dead.
3: Wait, yeah, money. There are some are that are you- dead.
0: Are you being serious? Did
3: you actually catch heat from yeah? Your, I got a couple, I got I got, a, I got a little bit of heat. Not a lot, oh, just wow. just yeah, just a little. Look, I mean, I was kind of an asshole. I mean, to be honest, you know, I really was. But <laughs> that's why when I,
2: that's why we loved it.
3: Yeah, when I listened back through it, I was like, oh wow, I don't know. Man, that was that wasn't nice, and that wasn't nice, and that was like just super <laughs> snarky. And I don't I don't think I meant for it to be that way. I just was trying to kind of remember how we all felt in the moment and and just sort of share oh yeah, this is what it was like, and this is what happened then. <laughs> and I just came out sounding like, oh wow, that that was kind of well, negative. But hey, what are you going to do?
0: But you know what? That was an incredible tease. If you have not listened to the Matt Lloyd yeah. Smith episode yeah. of the Throwback podcast where he relived his time at K-Rock, where you were the program director or the right-hand man? was director. Music director, man? Music the music director, director yeah. of, of K-Rock. Please check that out. Uh, it's, again, probably the only good episode of this show we've ever well, done. Um, money uh, and I also do the Power Ranking Show on NFL Network. And when it came out, this um, Greg Alexander New Radicals situation on uh, the Joe Biden swearing day, we were you know talking New Radicals and I needed to get money on the show to give his take on what it was like to be there when uh, this next song came out. So let's first start listening to track two of Maybe You've Been Brainwashed 2. It is, of course, the classic You Get What You want. Yes.
3: take me through it because... Yeah, so you know what, I think when we we had our first conversation, I I missed, you know, and and this is just kind of, I wasn't trying to embellish. I think I just misremembered Um, because looking at the timeline, um, I was at DreamWorks when this came out. I was not the music director or the music coordinator at K-Rock. I was the music coordinator from 94 to like 96-ish. And then uh, really like ninety, late 95. And then I was the music director from, I think, like 02 to 06 or something like that. Or 01 to 05. So this came out right in the window where I was the sports guy for Kevin and Bean in the morning show. And I was the uh, alternative uh, promotion guy for DreamWorks. So... But I was in the meeting. I mean, I remember being in the meeting when this was played the first time. So a lot of times what would happen, especially with me, because I worked there and I had already worked in the music department and, and, you know, Kevin Weatherly, who ran K-Rock and I were really close, is every now and then I would just sit in on a music meeting. Um, But I was there when they played this song the first time when the, the rep from MCA came in and um and it's gary Sp- uh let's see was it gary Yeah, i think it was gary spivak who was the the rep at mca at the time he had not left for capital yet and gary and i were really close and so maybe he was like hey you know why don't you come in and i want you to hear something kind of thing so a lot of times other record reps that i had that i knew would say that to me because not that i carried any weight or something but i guess they were just like well you know kevin thought enough of your ears that that you were in those music meetings trying to figure out what was right for k-rock so i'll bounce this off you so um just to kind of give where i was in my career and it's also possible that i was there playing uh something off of the uh, off of eels electroshock blues or propeller heads like those were our releases in the time so it's possible i just happen to be in the meeting but anyway so with that as a a backdrop making sure i get my bio right for where i was it's <laughs> important on occasion you would have record reps come into the music meeting if they had something that was a big deal. I know when I was on with you guys, I shared the story about American Idiot when they made us turn off your phones, come in here, we're going to listen to this from beginning to end. It, it rarely was agreed to. Um, but on occasion, you would have a record rep come in and join the music meeting and and play something that was a big push for the label. And there were a lot of those. I mean, we, I can, I can remember a ton um you know stuff that went over really well that stopped you dead in your tracks and and others that were like oh yeah that's that's pretty good um but this was one of those that I can remember every single person in the me and just kind of put it in perspective there's a couple that I remember the ones that I, that, I, that still stick with me kind of I remember hearing the song and the reaction of everyone in the room first one I was I was really young I was still in college and um Terry Anzaldo from Maverick brought in someone we had never heard of, this this girl, a young woman by the name of Alanis Morissette, and played us a song called You Ought to Know. And uh, I'll never forget it because um, he gave me a copy of it when uh, he was done. He's like, hey, spend some more time with it. I I thought it was unbelievable the first time I heard it. But um, I had this Jeep. This like 89 Jeep that had, uh, you know, no doors or top. And, you know, it's freezing (laughs) cold. It's late at night. And I can and I had this crappy. It wasn't actually crappy. I had this clarion stereo with a CD player. And I've got this CDR of Atlantis. And I'm listening to it all the way back to Malibu. I was at Pepperdine at the time. So I had to drive from Burbank to Malibu, which is about a 45 minute drive. And I can just remember listening to that song over and over. And I must have listened to it. Fifteen times, and I was going especially far because I was driving to my girlfriend's house, who I stayed with a lot uh, at that time. Not my wife, by the way. And I remember she lived with three other girls. And don't get
2: it. Don't get in more trouble today. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly.
3: And I remember walking into her her house and and just gathering all the girls. Kelsey, Alyssa, Karen, you've got to come. You've got to hear this. It's going to blow your dome. You guys are going to lose your shit when you hear this. And I put it in and I play it. And it's just the most awkward. They're all staring at me, and and all four of them are like, That's terrible. "Ah." It's like, Oh wow, I didn't expect that reaction. (laughs) So that was one. Um, This was another one of those um, where they played it in the music meeting, and there must have been five or six or eight people in there, and every and like kind of like what we were doing, right? When we were listening to it, you know, by the time it gets to the end of the first verse and the chorus plays. You just can't help but start moving. And, and you kind of know the lyrics, you know, because you're like, I got the music and you don't give up. And you start singing it by the end of the, the second or third chorus. And then, you know, you're, I remember we were like, wait, 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 what, what was that about Marilyn Manson? Because Manson was huge at the time. Right. And it kind of came in this period where grunge was huge and there was just so much sort of, I don't know, just heavy music, you know, and just shoe not, not even shoegazers, but just like...
2: It was like um, the cumbersome of the world, the Seven yeah, Mary it, Threes. Exactly
3: right. It was yeah. Seven Mary Three and, and sort of that tonic and sort of that period where, you know, Creed where sort of we have got we had gotten through the Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice and Chains, you know, sort of moment. And we had now found ourselves in the post. post oh, yeah. Yes, we want to be... Soundgarden, but we're not. We're Seven Mary Three, and we're Collective Soul. And it was just, it was brutal. Um, So I remember this just being a, this is the greatest song I've ever heard. This, this, This has to get played. And it immediately went on the air, and it was an immediate hit. Normally, you would think something like this, just because it sounds like a pop song, right, would be very polarizing on a station whose foundation and the majority of the songs were all grunge and rock. But it was it was a freaking smash from the second it got on the air.
2: Wow. It makes, I mean, I remember the first time I heard it. Dan actually heard it before me because we were away at college and I came home and Dan asked me, hey, what do you think about that new song by the New Radicals? And I hadn't heard it yet. Right. I was like, I don't know it. And you were like, oh, my God, it's Bob music. You're going to love it. Because Bob music (laughs) in high school was like Ben Folds 5 and things that were just kind of like that kind of sound. So he was like, I can't believe you haven't heard it. You're going to love it when you hear it. And then I think the next day I was in my car and it came on. And I knew right away, like, this is the song that Dan is talking about. And I loved it immediately. But I didn't know. I mean, I feel like I've always kind of carried this weird sort of Bob music um, weight with it where it's like I didn't know that so many people genuinely liked it because I thought it was only something that people like me would like. So this whole Joe Biden and now Matt, you telling that story, it (laughs) makes me feel better about myself in retrospect. So thank you. Yeah, there's something, uh,
3: there is a, I think there, you know, that's the funny thing about One Hit Wonders, right? And I feel bad saying that because obviously Greg's had a pretty great career as a producer and songwriter and stuff, but. You know, there's a reason why they're one-hit wonders because they're just they're so big they eclipse the band. I mean, that's really what makes it. It's not that the band there's a bunch of bands that have had one song, you know, that was considerably considerably bigger than everything else they ever did, but it wasn't so big that it overshadowed everything else and and really overshadowed all the other songs that were on the radio at a very similar time. And I think that's kind of the difference, right? When you get into those songs. Um, like, I mean, I, just like, I even think about, uh, like, and this is, gosh, I feel bad even saying the name of the band on this, on this pod, but you know, I think about Limp Biscuit, like Nookie was so much bigger than everything else they did. Like it was just a freaking movement The of it, it took over the radio it was number one everywhere for three months, you know, and, but, oh yeah, but they had break stuff and that was kind of a bit, yeah, it was nothing. I mean, nothing compared to... I mean, you could even make the case... Look, this is going to be sacrilege to say this, but you can make the case that Smells Like Teen Spirit was like that. You know, I mean, Smells Like Teen Spirit was so much bigger than anything else that band ever did. Like, it it changed music. So the difference here is that, you know, I'm not comparing these two songs, but I'm saying, like, because they never wrote another song that was even a middle-of-the-road hit, like, I think you just magnify, you know what, oh, this band was this one song. No, this song was huge. This was a big freaking deal. It's not that this band just wrote this one hit. This song was a monster.
0: And I think it kind of builds the to, to the legend behind the song that Greg Alexander, he kind of went out on his own terms. He's not a guy that tried to get that second hit. He said, no, I'm out of the game of being the lead singer, trying to have big hits. And I always thought listening to that song, because it just builds and it builds. It's like, it's a great verse and then a great bridge and then a great chorus. And then the music starts to build. It almost feels like by the time he gets to the end of the song and the celebrity diss section, uh, that it's almost like a heat check in the NBA, where he's just like, everything I do (laughs) is brilliant right now. I'm just going to throw in this ridiculous close to the song, which in a lot of ways became the most famous part of the song, and I want to read something because money, I don't know if you have ever crossed paths with this particular gentleman, uh Marilyn Manson. Uh, but of course, there is the line. Um
3: that's yeah, Beck and fa- Hanson, Courtney yes. Love, and right
0: fashion shoots with Beck and Hanson,
3: Courtney Love, and Marilyn Manson. You're all, fakes, all fake, one- go back to your mansions, come yes. around, we'll yeah, kick, we'll your, kick ass your ass. ass in, right? There it is. Yes. Yeah, I here's what- it. I mean, and I haven't listened to that song in forever.
2: And you, yeah, before, so, you read, before you read this, yeah. I just want to say I was reading an interview with Greg Alexander today in uh, Rolling Stone, just talking about this whole revived interest. And he refers to that part of the song as the rap at the end. we just so you know,
0: Marilyn Manson commented that he was not mad. He said he'd kick my ass. I just don't want to be used in the same sentence with Courtney Love. I'll crack his skull open if I see him. Um, Beck also then said that Alexander ran up to him at a grocery store and apologized and said he wasn't coming after him personally. It was just, (laughs) I don't know.
4: Great.
3: I I feel like I remember Greg being a big guy. Like Manson was, was not intimidating at all. Like Manson was a dork. Um, You know, he like, you know, he had this presence about him, but you would never come up. You know, there were, there were people that you came across in, in, well, look for them for the most part most rock stars are freaking wafy. And I mean, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how I want to, not like I'm some sort of heavyweight that's running around <laughs> kicking people's asses, but there weren't a whole lot of dudes that inspired fear. Right. Um, in you, when you came across them, I'm trying to think of who um, I remember. I remember like there was beef and now we're getting off the rails, right? I remember there being <laughs> beef between Sully. I did. I might've told this story the last time I was on between Sully from Godsmack. And it might have been someone from Third Eye Blind. At, oh wow! <laughs> at, at, the, at the RZX Fest in Indianapolis, it was, it was
0: definitely Steven Jenkins.
3: Let's,
2: let's, it wasn't Jenkins. It was It,
3: it might have been. It might have been. It was either someone from Three Doors Down or someone from Third Eye Blind. Right, the number threes involved. One of the threes.
2: Somewhere.
3: Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I just remember thinking, like, wow, this would be one of the most embarrassing fights of all time if these two went at it, because Sully <laughs> was kind of this really small guy, and you know, it was. Oh my god. So anyway, yeah, I, I, for some reason, I remember. Greg being kind of a big guy. Um, So it was just kind of funny, right? That he wrote this pop song, but he sort of cut this wide swath and was this large statured individual that was singing, you know, something that sounded like it was It's also,
2: It's also the least intimidating, come around, we'll kick your asses ever delivered.
3: Exactly, yeah. For a dude that's like dancing in a mall, right? In the video. (laughs) Because videos were still important back then. And I can, you know, that's another thing too, I remember they may have actually played the video, for us and the video was so cool and just yeah. fun you know like yes. uh, i think the only thing i can kind of i remember uh, you know just kind of like the vibe of that song some of the other things that come to mind like lens steal my sunshine yes. was one of those songs that came around in that period of time when you're like oh this is fun this is something we need desperately uh obviously the weezer green album was like that in the midst of all of that when you just got this great candy pop Um, you know six seven tracks that you could play endlessly and never get tired of you know amidst a sea of I'm so miserable my life sucks I'm trying to be the next Kurt Cobain you know four and a half minute droning on mid-tempo rock track so um, yeah this thing was that, that that track I like I said I just I was full disclosure was not programming the station at the time I was trying to get Rufus Wainwright and Elliot Smith and propeller heads and Eels played at the time, which was not an easy task in that era. Uh, and I, I remember, for whatever reason, I, I remember being around this one.
0: And he was wearing uh, money. I don't know if you saw the performance um, on uh, Wednesday. He's actually wearing the same bucket hat.
3: Oh, good for him. Wearing. I did not see it. From the video. Uh-huh. So that's, I guess you got a signature look, right? You got it. There it is. That's or, or,
2: I like to assume he's worn that every day since nineteen You're <laughs> right. <laughs>
3: exactly. Uh, exactly. Um, money. I, oh, you know, yes. Before the
2: money leave, I, I just want to say that we're not the only people, obviously, in the world, along with the Bidens, who um, love this song. I found this clip today from Conan O'Brien. And Dan, I'm going to try to share it. Let me know if it works. Okay. okay?
0: Yes. It was a song by the New Radicals.
1: Called uh, Don't Give Up, You Got the Music in You. It was an older record. Oh, yeah, I used to that, sing that all the yeah. time. Remember that record? Yeah. 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 I, I had that CD and I bumped it all the way to Vegas and I was just feeling it. And it's like two white boys in a mall singing or something. <laughs> <laughs> Did you find yourself moving? To me as you listen to it? I like, don't exactly. give up.
0: Or want it, you know? and you yeah, I like the music. You only am. get what you get. Right, right, right. I used to rock that. I used right. to rock that.
2: So there, there you, you go. go. Iced Tea so also also Sweat. was into the new radicals. I, uh, yeah.
3: I have I will tell you a great Iced Tea story. Um, I, was, <laughs> I was working in records um, and my label, uh, London, was under the umbrella of Island Records. So I don't know if you remember, but Island uh, put out the uh, the Public Enemy record, the re-release. You know when Public Enemy made their big comeback. Um, Um, I can't remember what the name of the record was. So anyway, they're having this record release party at this famous place called the Hollywood athletic club. And it's just this weird venue on sunset. I don't even know if it's still open anymore, but it's got like just all these weird levels. Like you would go up three steps and there'd be a room and then you would go up like nine steps and there'd be another room. And then, you know, there were just like 30 rooms in this place that were all um, filled with people for, uh, because it's public enemy, you know, it's Chuck D and flavor, flavor there. And, um, and it's awesome and, and it's packed with people and it's a great celebration. Um, and I happened to find my way into this room that had a pool table, and Ice T was in there, <laughs> and he's just you know chatting people up. And this is prior to Law & Order Ice T, right? He's still a little different than yeah, iced tea. you know, he's still the guy that did you know, the iceberg and, uh, and, you know, and and whatever, just pick your favorite iced tea song, right? Um, and he's just holding court and, and everyone's laughing and listening to his stories and having a good time and drinking the free beer and listening to the public enemy in the background. And this, like, I don't know, I don't even know who the guy was, but just, <laughs> like, imagine, if you can, people listening uh, in your mind's eye, the super stiff, Uh, wants to be cool, white record guy. Okay. Okay. Kind of wanders in, you know, probably, I don't probably has a cigar or something like that. And he's wearing like a thousand dollar leather jacket kind of thing. And And he, like iced teas in the middle of a sentence and stuff. And the guy walks in and he goes, Tracy, what's happening, man? What's happening? Oh no! Oh, no, and it's just like and and I mean, Dan, you know me and you know what makes me <laughs> happier than anything, and it is uncomfortable situations. There is nothing I enjoy more in life than uncomfortable. <laughs> oh
0: no! And what happened? And it's just like a
3: record scratch, right? And, pardon the pun, right? For the for the backdrop, and everybody's quiet, and and Ice T looks at this guy and he goes, "Do I know you?" And oh like, no. Oh. And the guy, not recognizing what he had just done, doesn't miss a beat. He's like, Tracy, come on, man. Do you know me? Come on, Trace. And he goes, motherfucker, I don't know you, number one. Number two, my closest friends don't fucking call me Tracy. So don't come up in here talking like you and I are best friends, thinking you're going to impress all these people around here because you can call me Tracy. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn around, leave this room. And as a matter of fact, I want you to leave the party. Because if I walk around and I see you, we're going to have a big problem. <laughs> <laughs> this guy looked like he just got, I mean, he was, he was verbally just punched in the gut. Like, and he was, like, legitimately a little scared and totally humiliated. And then as he walked out, Ice-D is just like, doesn't miss a beat? He's like, so anyway. I, <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that was so great. That, so I brilliant. mean, what a strategy that was by that
0: dude. I mean, uh, I don't know if he had a, a n- nose full of coke or something. But... Probably.
3: I mean, I think that's just that's that's probably what it was, right? Just blowing lines. You know, he and the white lady got to be best friends five minutes earlier. It Very. You know what it reminded me of? I think this is the best <laughs> analogy I can make. Bubby, Bubby, whatever. You know, <laughs> diehard. I mean, that's exactly what it was.
0: That fucking know? guy, and yeah. we know how it ended for him.
3: Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what it was.
0: Um, all right. We lost Bob with some technical difficulties, but I, I should say goodbye to you. You're a very busy man. And uh I, I am sincerely I feel bad that you had to deal with some fallout from the last episode, no, but uh it doesn't matter,
3: man. It's all good. I know. I'm so they get over family. it, you know, it's social media. They come at you or they send you a text or something, and it's like, yeah, whatever. I'm um, I'm good. I did. It's it's look. It's not going to be the last time I can say you. you know me well enough, Dan. <laughs> hey, I, I upset people regularly. So <laughs>
0: yes, I I'm, mean not I'm there's, a, there's a certain Kathy Griffin story that comes to mind. But oh yeah, uh, that we'll save that one. for sure another, another, another time. All right, Matt Money Smith, you're the man. Thank you very much, and I'll, you I'll it. see it work. All right, there goes money. Oh, and there here comes Bob. Bob, what happened? Had a great. You just missed the most amazing iced tea story I've ever heard.
2: I was. Well, how many iced tea stories have you heard? Number one.
0: I've heard one iced tea story, and this was <laughs> easily the best one. Okay,
2: um, I was very excited about the iced tea story, but in the span of like fifteen seconds, uh, so I'm recording this in my garage. Uh, I locked the garage door. In the span of fifteen seconds, the window to the garage starts getting opened as if I'm about to be robbed. And my nine-year-old pokes his head into climb through the window to see me. So I shoo him away. He runs back into the house and immediately, I assume accidentally, we'll get to the bottom of this, unplugs, yeah. the, unplugs the Wi-Fi and that's it. I'm out. So that's,
0: That felt like a getting even with dad starring Ted in a Macaulay Culkin situation. It did.
2: It did. So that's probably what happened. So
0: Wow. All right. Well, well, I'm back glad now. That you're back. I'm, I'm back now.
2: Back. I'll listen to the episode, um, which is it's a great story. Yeah, it's something that you could do too. Sometimes maybe listen and you know be more involved uh, in the episodes. But I'll listen to it. That doesn't seem necessary. I'll see what he says. Okay.
0: Um. All right. So as promised. So there you go. We 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 dove deep on a song that deserved that uh, on this very interesting day in American history. Uh, and most people haven't thought. You haven't given a second thought, Bob, of what the New Radicals did in their recording career that lasted one album. But Bob owned the album, and you say there are other good songs on it. So before we say goodbye, uh, you want to throw a couple out there for us?
2: Well, we're not even close to saying goodbye, Dan. This is an episode of The Throwback, Bob. We're just getting started. I've, <laughs> I have nowhere else to be. My kid is locked in his room right now, I think. So we can keep going.
0: You have no idea where your children are. Let's, is, let's be honest about that.
2: That is true. But if we're going to talk about the new radicals, we have to go to what would have been their second single. Let's get right into, or essentially, what was their second single, but they had already broken up by this point. And the name of the song, Dan, is "Someday We'll Know."
0: All right, let's listen to a little of that.
2: A lot of that. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna fucking love this song. I'm saying it right now, you're gonna love it.
0: Calm down. I'm gonna hate it.
2: Nope. This is. Oh, you're going to love it. You're going to put it on a mix for your wife. Yeah, you are. Because Greg uh, Alexander did it. 90 miles
1: outside Chicago Can't stop driving, I don't know why So many questions, I need an answer Two years later, you're still on my mind
2: uh, Someday we'll know Whoa,
0: okay Uh, You know, I cannot deny This
2: guy knows what he's doing He knows what he's doing, not just with the hat With everything This song is so good I have distinct memories driving around In my Buick LeSabre After uh, kind of splitting from my college girlfriend at the time And listening to this on my little CD Plugged into the tape deck on repeat
0: So good (laughs) One of those One of those uh, Songs Yeah No I totally get it Love it You need to stop being so definitive About a bucket hat being a cool thing Because it wasn't But other than that That was a nice little anecdote about your past
2: Wait time out It wasn't?
0: I mean nobody wanted to tell you But you also at that point Had your cartilage pierced Right Uh, So you were making a lot of decisions at that time
2: I I had a goatee
0: you had a goatee, you had the cartilage pierced, you had um, a okay, uh, bucket hat. Um, you had, oh, what I, was I, that, that one I, shirt that was made out of velvet or something? No,
2: I had a shirt made of a towel that you never really respected. Towel shirt. Yeah. Towel shirt, yeah. Yeah, you never you had re- a
0: shirt. That, you had a, gr- a shirt that was green that said green on the shirt.
2: That was, uh, my girlfriend made me that shirt. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> we, we saw a crazy guy in New York City with that and then she made me my own so we thought that was pretty
0: oh scary. look at that I didn't know the backstory now everything feels different
2: <laughs> uh, that's also great I, I like also, I had, that also had a decent amount of corduroy because I worked at the Gap in high school and corduroy was big at the time so owned some good cords you had
0: a lot of you had a lot of corduroy
2: again. decent cords because I had that Gap discount
0: and then you also famously were flat footed so you couldn't have any cool like Nikes or any of the um, you know real only Nike uh, no only respected um, sports shoes. So you you had a lot of Reebok as, <laughs> as well. I Reebok recall.
2: Reebok pumps were very respected for many years.
0: That was no, that was a pretty small window, Bob. That was about <laughs> ninety two to ninety three, and then <laughs>
2: many years.
0: You're you're taking it into the late nineties, and again, it was just like, oh boy, Bob can't wear those Nikes still, huh?
2: They hurt my feet. I realized, <laughs> um, you know, our friends now because. When you become a, a successful adult with uh, disposable income and you can't leave your house, I guess you get into sneakers. I feel like that's the thing that oh. more and more people in this country have gotten into now. And uh, our friends like turned our text heads. Thread, uh, they turned our text thread into like a sneaker thread, which I have no, I want no part of. But I realized. That to this day, the only criteria I think of when I'm buying sneakers is will people make fun of me for these. (laughs) It's the same criteria from when I was 13. Plus, I just want to own shoes that people won't look at and make fun of me. That's all I care about.
0: Oh man! And does this all go back to the flat foot and the fact that it gave it limited your options your whole life?
2: It does. It does. I can't wear Nike. I I tried getting Nikes recently for the first time in like 25 years. I got some Nikes. I put them on. They still hurt my feet.
0: Some oh, care. poor Bob. I actually, I saw you somewhat recently and you're wearing like a white pair of shoes. And they kind of had like a dad shoes vibe. And now that I realize that. I think
2: those are Reebok.
0: <laughs> now that I realize that it's a touchy, it's more touchy than I realize. I, I feel bad for saying that. Well, you did you had, make you, you did make fun shoes. of me.
2: So they didn't pass the test. So I need to get new sneakers.
0: It's like, honey, where's my sneakers? All right.
2: No, I generally just try to wear Converse and uh, to stay away from anything that could be made fun of. That's all I care about.
0: All right. Well, (laughs) it's a a tough way to go through life. All right. I (laughs) I really like that, Bob. You know, that is at the same time that will not be going on a mix unless I I get divorced and I get into a new relationship that then or if I I, and I have done this before. We've talked about it on the show because this song someday we'll know is, you know, it's about love lost or slipping away. So uh, that would might be one I make when me and my wife get separated.
2: Okay. Yeah, that's okay, fair. So you could also, keep it in the chamber. You could also put on the Mandy Moore version for your wife, Dan, because Mandy Moore covered that song for her uh, movie, A Walk to Remember.
0: All right. I don't, I don't ever need to hear that. I don't. I'm not interested in it. And
2: Well, with all this new New Radicals buzz floating around, I actually did listen to it, I think, for the first time ever, and it's terrible so
0: don't (laughs) i mean no Moore never struck me as a great talent as a singer but then again you know that now i'm sounding like ryan adams so i'm gonna make a sharp left turn and get out of that commentary all right bob what else is a a good what's up another banger by the way you're right so far we have the classic um the second single and again they broke up even before that second single got released Uh, So there was no promotion or touring behind it, which meant it sunk like a stone, never had a chance. And the record company must have been like, what the fuck? Uh, But that is Greg Alexander, a man that disappears from the public eye for 22 years, comes back on television with tens of millions of people watching and says, hi, I'm the singer from the New Radicals. Doesn't even (laughs) give his name love it I, l- I love that move forever all right what's another banger Bob what's uh, now I'm feeling confident now about this album
2: yeah I wish I would have known that you were gonna throw the whole thing on me I would have listened to it ahead of time to really get ready for it but I do know that track one mother we just can't get enough is something that you're gonna like I just have a feeling
4: okay. so let's mother
0: to- I, I like th- even the title all right let's listen to mother we just can't get enough.
4: My budgets
0: goes in the sky, goes in the sky,
1: goes in the sky. There's something about you, it tells me inside out whenever you're around. There's something about you. Veins now we hit the ground there's something about this rush take it away man me feel so good We got a feeling we got a feeling we get a feeling
4: like the oh
0: You know, this boy can sing.
2: The guy's got a voice, and it's a great track one when you know what you have locked and loaded for track number two.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, i even said that howl in the chorus, um, even it sounds a little bit like Jeff Buckley. And Buckley, who had one of the great voices, of course. I
2: was going to say it's almost like Bono-esque in a way.
0: It has that howl, that emotive howl, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know that checks the box for me. That I love this. I love this kind of like disco guitar a little bit in there. I, I mean, just watched the Bee Gees doc on HBO, so I'm feeling that right now.
2: I mean, nothing would be more 2021 than the New Radicals becoming, like, the most respected band slash artist in America. Like, out of nowhere. It's just like Greg Alexander becomes, like, Tony Bennett for, like, the next 30 years.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like, like we said, we're recording this the night of the inauguration. Would it totally surprise you the way, because they've changed the, the rules for how songs chart, that this song uh you get what you give charts again I would not be stunned yeah I'm not saying top 10 but
2: no but like I like I kind of like alluded to with money when we were talking about um the single is I do feel like there's like a weird level of respect that I never knew the song had you get what you give that everybody is like reverent towards it as opposed to like the lens steal my sunshine it's a one hit wonder ha 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 like everybody, like right. respects it. At least what I'm seeing on Twitter and like the people that are tweeting it. Like Dave Holmes wrote about it for Esquire, and he called it the best song of the decade or the best pop song ever. Like people are talking about it in a Dave way. Dave Holmes that,
0: called it the best pop song ever. Yeah,
2: I could. I'll quote it for you. Let me find it.
0: Whoa.
2: Um, let me see what he how said. How about
0: how about this, Bob? I know uh, you just mentioned Bono in the in the opening uh, graph of the wiki page. You two lead guitarist, The Edge, is quoted saying, You Get What You Give is the song he is most jealous of. I would really would love to have written that. It, I mean, ice oh Tea, God. The Edge.
2: ice Tea. Here's, here's what tea, home, Dave Holmes says. And Dave Holmes, Dave You Holmes. Get What You Give is the, greatest, is the greatest pop rock song of the last 25 years. And if you disagree, I need you to take a quiet moment and reflect on why you've chosen to reject pleasure.
0: <laughs> well you can love the song and, and, and enjoy well, he's being hyperbolic for effect I, I'm, I honestly think as I said at the top I think it's the best pure like like pop rock song of the decade
2: Yep. I, I'm not going to fight you on that I'm not going to fight you on that
0: what's going on is your son back in the garage my, son's,
2: my son is back in the window
0: why you need to put your foot down on this. Well,
2: I mean, I'm do you
0: want me to vamp? Do you want to go <laughs> get the shit out of your son while I <laughs> talk to our audience?
2: <laughs> no, I feel like that'll be used as evidence. Uh, I am. No, gonna, that's true. I am going to text his mother, though, and say, hey, get your damn kid out.
0: Oh, here. I love I love shorthand pissy text between husbands and wives. Yeah. If you I wonder, like if you that's one thing you don't want, like your friends and family to see, because sometimes the texting between a husband and wife. Reflects, especially in COVID America, um, the the day to day just grind to get through things alive.
2: It's very and, logis- it's very logistical, or yes. snide. It's one of the right. two,
0: or snide. Yeah, brought on by a logistical issue. Yes, um, and, yeah. and and now you're you're dealing with that right now. Okay, Bob. Awesome, love that song, Bob.
2: Yeah, loved it.
0: All right. you have another one that that you remember, that you recall, that jumps out to you, Bob?
2: Yes, I do. Two more, I think.
0: Okay. What do you got?
2: I think we got to do, I hope I didn't just give away the ending, which this is, we're front-loading this album, but this is track three. I remember listening to this a lot. It's a six-minute song. Let's listen to the entire thing.
0: There's a lot. There's a lot of those songs. It's a beefy album. It is beefy. All right. Here it is. I hope I didn't just give away the ending. I definitely like the vibe um, musically of the whole album. And it, it, it actually starts to get me a little bit bummed, Bob, to be honest. Like, this guy never put out another album. How promising does... I mean, it doesn't get much more promising than this album.
2: Well, you know what? You have to read his... He did an interview with Rolling Stone um, to, promo, to talk about being at the inauguration. And he says in this interview, he has a lot more, lot more up his sleeve that he's been writing some that he thinks might are might be better than you get what you give like he's pretty confident that he's amazing when you read this interview so there might be more that comes out who knows
0: let's let's listen to a little more of the song and then i want to
1: follow up on that <laughs>
2: Bring it down. <laughs> the
0: hell I, is going on? I remember
2: someone. it's like weird. Now I remember it's like weird as hell. And then it kicks into like a great chorus. Right now so, it feels like
0: seven songs just piled on top of each other.
2: Yeah, yeah. All right, hold on. I think it's going to start getting good in a minute.
0: He's kind of in a, like a late 70s Mick Jagger vibe here.
2: He's feeling himself. Here it comes. This is it.
1: She wanted to be a nun until that fateful day. When Crucifix and an came game of Russian roulette i burned my beatles records cause she hated number nine she licked her cocaine suckers laugh So her mom's doing mine are you an illusion or am i just
0: There we go. That's great. I kind of wish they started the song there, but I love it. Um, you know, this isn't Bob music though. It has it has elements in terms of some of the sonics, but Bob music. When I think of Bob music, it's much more stripped down and lo-fi, and this is rich and really slickly produced. I think, and it, it's like a big radio album. Like I, I, I don't see it. In that way Maybe I've, I did back then But now I don't When I listen No
2: to I agree with that I think you just thought It was Bob music Because you get what you give As piano And that was enough <laughs> piano, For you to yes. just Throw it at me that was,
0: that was it It was the piano But um,
2: overall No it's not Like I think I like it But it's not like What you consider To be Bob music
0: um, I believe in your uh, The theory I don't say I necessarily believe in it But I believe in it more than other artists when they say, oh, yeah, 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 I have a whole archive filled of um, songs that are ready to unleash. Like, when when you hear that about Prince after he died, it's like, oh, but Prince had 800 unreleased songs in his giant purple vault. And it's like, oh, yeah, they probably all sucked. Uh, or when you hear, like, oh, Bob Dylan, uh, the guy, he was so prolific. There's a 1,000 Bob Dylan songs we've yet to hear. It's probably a reason we haven't he- heard those. But He's with also- this guy,
2: the fact that... It- Bob Dylan's also still alive, so.
0: No, stop. Don't be so funny. Um, But the fact that um, Greg Alexander stopped putting out music, I actually buy into his vault that there might be something out there. And I wonder if if there is a spike in interest in his music and he kind of likes that idea after all the years out of the limelight and we end up getting that second proper new radicals record I bet that could be something that happens in the next year or so
2: well reading that in- that's
0: that's a theory yeah.
2: reading that interview he feels just based on that interview that he has nothing to prove like he doesn't consider himself a one-hit wonder he talks about his euro hits and the songs he's written for other people like game of love for Santana like he's pretty he makes sure in that interview that you know that he's not a one-hit wonder at least in his mind. So, like, right. he's got that cockiness of, like, I can do it whenever I want to do it. So now the question is, if there is that new interest in him, will he kind of come around and do something else? Who knows?
0: All right. Since you since you uh, mentioned it, Bob, I do want to play It is actually technically his biggest hit uh, in this country. It, it might surprise you, or maybe it won't because um, – because you get what you give as, as big as it was globally was barely a top 40 hit here uh, which is sickening but that S- actually uh, like Money had said that speaks to also um, the shifting of music when the song came out in 98 and how people were getting into rap rock and and you know boy bands and Britney and Christina and that song just showed I think it confused people um, here is a song he wrote with Yes, Santana, or maybe with Michelle Branch? I don't know. Anyway, here's the game of love. Let's just listen to it a little bit. Tell me just what you Once you know, once you know that he wrote this song, you could actually hear his songwriting in the
2: yeah, totally. that whole
0: part. Um, you want to hear a creepy Santana quote connected to this
2: song? Yes, please.
0: All right. So the history of this is Alexander writes it. He he records it with his vocals. Clive Davis feels a female voice uh, is what would make it a hit. So they get it to Tina Turner, though, and Tina does it. Of course, the the legend Tina Turner does it with Santana. And then when it comes time to to shoot the video, Tina Turner says, like, hey, I'm 97. I don't want to do (laughs) it. I don't care. I mean, I've already already did a comeback. I don't need another one. Right. So Clive is like, what? Fuck. All right. So then he tries to get Macy Gray to record it. And she's like warbling her way through it. And they're like, no, this sucks. So then they finally go to uh, Michelle Branch. And that's the one that gets released and gets the video. But. Santana uh, (laughs) says of that version and the history of the song, there's only one I'm going to try to do my best Santana here there's only one Tina Turner no one can hit a note like Tina Turner, I love Michelle and she did a great interpretation of it, it's like a warrior Indian chief,
2: yeah I know, I don't think that's at all what he sounds like, but okay
0: it's just that with all honor and respect to Michelle there's the girl and there's the woman and Michelle is unfolding into a woman. But it takes time to go from a girl to a woman.
2: Oh my god. <laughs> what, <laughs> what, the
0: a, what the fuck are you talking about? Shut up, you old creep. <laughs>
2: Be happy you have a huge hit with this. Just Michelle
0: Branch is like she's reading that in Spin Magazine or whatever, and she's like, What the fuck?
2: What did this old creepy dude who doesn't take off his sunglasses say about me? What? <sighs>
0: I love that. I love how, like, what a fucking drive-by assassination. Of, basically, and Michelle Branch, who was probably like 25 when that song was recorded, Like yeah. she's like, what? I'm, not, I'm a girl? That <laughs> how is dare like you? Retrograde shit right oh there, my buddy. God. All right. One more, Bob. One more. Uh, and by the way, I understand what Greg Alexander is saying. It, it's all perspective. He says, I wrote that shitty Game of Love song, Top 10 Hit, uh, so you can't call me a one-hit wonder. You can yeah. call the new radicals a one-hit wonder, but not me. Right. Okay, makes more sense. Makes more sense.
2: All right, so I'm only to do one more. But Bob, but you have- but can we at least
0: say though, Bob, he's a, that makes him a two-hit wonder, right? I, I think he got it nominated for an Oscar or something for like a Disney soundtrack or something also, but right, I, untapped potential. I still see it that way.
2: Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll, What's okay. going
0: on in your house, by the way? Did you get that under control?
2: More or less. So let's uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, No Dean uh, we're, we're reading Harry Potter and um, he, Oh shit He's reading okay. it he, re, he read the last chapter himself And he wants to talk about it So when we finish mm. this We have some serious Harry Potter talk coming up
0: Have you gotten any type of um, A snide type text From your wife About the logistics of the night And how this doesn't fit in With what was supposed to be The plan for the night
2: Nope not yet But that's coming
0: Okay Okay, okay good
2: Um All right. I will pick one more song, but you have to promise that you'll listen to this whole album at some point in the next. I will.
0: I absolutely will. That is not going to be a hard task because I've honestly really enjoyed everything I've heard. And like everyone else in America, I have New Radicals Fever.
2: I know. The Biden Fever, New Radicals Fever. It's pretty great. Let's go with Gotta Stay High. It's uh, track number nine. I almost went with the closing track, Crying Like a Church on Monday, but... I'll save that for you.
0: Okay, here we go.
2: I don't think I've listened to this song since the winter good. winter of 98, 99. And goddamn, I'm, I'm back in that Buick Saber And <laughs> dealing with like freshman year girlfriend bullshit. Like this is definitely one of those albums. I think because it was like a one-off album, it's not a band that I ever came back to because they didn't exist. That it's just so specific to that one little time in my life. L3
0: L395LC Bob that was the beautiful saber license plate
2: I know I can't believe you still remember that
0: (laughs) I really like this I really like this it's really good
2: so um, if this was a normal episode I'd probably fight to put this on the throwback podcast playlist this isn't a normal episode Uh, we still have to thank our Patreonies though on patreon.com slash throwback pod for making these kinds of things happen for making it possible for me to be in the garage getting trouble getting in trouble with my wife as we speak just knowing my wife. that the kids are inside crying where's daddy and the answer is he's in the garage drinking peanut butter whiskey talking about the new <laughs> radicals that's what's happening uh. So
0: uh, you are you're in trouble, my friend. Yeah. I have so to say.
2: thank you to everyone at Patreon.com/slash/ThrowbackPod, including our top tier sponsors Bruno the Sponsor, Courtney and Wyatt, Kleine and Mancy, and the super Patreoni Niall, and everyone who kicks in two dollars a month, six dollars, twelve dollars. You guys are the best. Thank you for doing it.
0: Now I, we can't pick any other song, right?
2: No, that's what this is. We know what we're doing here. We're putting the best pop. Song of the last twenty-five years, according to Dave Holmes, onto the throwback podcast playlist.
0: Obviously. all right, Dave Holmes, and if you're throwing out Dave Holmes, I might as well bring up all music. Stephen Thomas oh. Erlewine, Bob, who described Alexander as the catchiest, smartest, professional mainstream pop songwriter of the early two thousands.
2: How about forget both those losers? Let's thank Matt Money Smith for being on the pod again. <laughs>
0: Uh, yes, thank you, Money. That was very nice of him to come on and share his memories. All right, as promised, let's say goodbye uh, by With playing the, the 2021, 2021 the version, version of Get What You, what you, you Give by H14. Greg Alexander and uh, his band, New Radicals. Thank you to everybody for listening to uh, the Throwback Podcast. And if you don't like this song, uh, first of all, there's no way you've made it this far. But just in case you did and you don't like the song, well, I think it's very obvious what we have to say to you.
2: Here Light,
1: you your dreams dying. Oh, you got the
4: music
1: in you. Love, go. You got the music in you. Love, dance, is going You got a reason to live.
4: Can't we only get what we